Hi, everyone. This is David Shore, the producer and host of the Panel Show Podcast. I'd like to thank you for tuning in. We apologize that this episode's taken a little longer to get out, uh, basically due to everything that's happening in the world. That being said, we'd like to thank Zencaster for allowing us to record this episode from everyone's home so no one had to get together and uh, we could all self-isolate. That's Zencaster.com, Z-E-N-C-A-S-T-R. They're an excellent website if you're uh, a podcaster. I'd also like to thank Alex McMurray for editing this episode. And you'll notice when you're listening to it that everyone's using a different type of microphone. Some are external, some are using the built-in mic in their laptop. So the sound quality is different for everybody. But in any case, we enjoyed recording the episode and we hope you enjoyed as well. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to the Panel Show Podcast. Each month we bring together two real journalists and two improvisers in character to talk about real world issues, topics, and events. This episode is being recorded on Friday, March 27th, 2020, live from our own homes because everybody is social distancing. I'm your host, David Shore, and let's meet tonight's panel. First, our journalists. He's a columnist for the Globe and Mail and also a regular on CBC's Ad Issue. Please welcome back Andrew Coyne. Hello. Thanks for being back, Andrew. And he's the Queen's Park, a.k.a. Provincial Parliament Bureau Chief for the Toronto Star. Please welcome back to the show Robert Benzie. Robert, nice to have you back here. Nice to be back, David. And tonight's improvisers are appearing as she's a grocery store cashier. Please welcome the completely not real Robin Neufeld. Hi, everybody. Hi, Robin. Thanks so much for being here, Robin. And thank you so much for doing the work that you do. You know, it really is uh, important. We really do appreciate Thanks. you keep, work, keep working. Thank you. This is, this is my dinner okay. break, so I have some time to myself. Okay. And our last panelist has won a record-breaking four Academy Awards for acting. You'll know her from such films as Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, On Golden Pond, The African Queen, The Philadelphia Story, Bringing Up Baby, and many, many more. Please welcome back the totally fake Catherine Hepburn. Welcome back, Miss Hepburn. I can't say I'm happy to be here. <laughs> is the technology throwing you? Is this different for you? I don't know what's going on. All right, well, that's fair. So, you know what? Let's just get into it, everybody. Let's go to our first topic. How are the governments, federal, provincial, and local, doing with their response to the COVID-19 crisis? Let's start by talking about the federal government. Uh, Andrew Coyne, what are your thoughts with the government's response? They were late on a number of fronts, I think you could say, uh, until quite recently they were saying the risk was very low. Uh, they seemed to be sort of very behind the curve in terms of um, intercepting uh, flights and telling people coming in that they had to self-quarantine, eventually making that mandatory. In fairness, I think most governments have been behind the curve. Uh, this thing, even though it had been long predicted that there would be a pandemic, when the thing finally arrived, I think the the arithmetic of exponential growth caught everybody by surprise, just how fast the thing can grow from seemingly small origins. You know, it was only a month ago when we had, I don't know, probably a handful of cases. And now here we are over, over I think, 5,000. Um, so they've yeah. been scrambling. I think you would say that they have, in, in later days, they've been improvising well and, and adapting and, and catching up, but they were slow off the mark. Uh, Catherine Hepper, what do you think? I know you're not Canadian, but you're here now. What do you think about the federal government's uh, response so far? Well, I know they closed the picture houses, and that I remember being troubling in my time as well. I uh, I have to say that in one of my earlier films, Keeper of the Flame, mm -hmm. 
I, uh, I, as you might recall, it was a, it was a Metro Goldwyn Mayer picture, nineteen forty-three. Mm-hmm. You're all familiar with it, I take it. Yeah. 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 I, I ended up actually be playing the widow of, of, of a major political leader, and uh, I find myself being reminded of some of these, you know, the fear of, uh, of these kind of large-scale governmental choices that people are making of course i think in this case they are warranted but hard to swallow all right robert benzie what do you think about the federal government's response so far well i mean i think this this announcement that they're going to pay 75 percent of people's paychecks for small and medium sized businesses is going to be helping a lot of people I mean, we're going to have record numbers on employment insurance on ei and i don't think that's a great thing so i think Paying employers to keep people employed is is sort of the less worse uh, option here. Um, we are in a very very strange situation, and we're going to have massive deficits federally, hundreds I mean, more than a hundred billion dollars certainly. And um, but uh, these are uncharted waters. I'm not sure what else they could do. As Andrew Coyne was saying earlier, uh, this is wartime. Yeah, we were talking a bit before we started recording, and uh, you know that that did come up. And and the seventy five percent mirrors what we're seeing in Europe. I think France is at eighty percent. They did a couple of days ago, and and uh, it seems like what has to be done these days. Um, Robin, what are your thoughts on what the federal government well, is doing? Um, I see Justin Trudeau on the TV. Um, we have this uh, television. It's uh, you know like up on one of those. Uh, it, it's up in the corner of the store near the near the doors and um so i can see it from my my cash out area and i see that he comes mm-hmm. on every day and he's looking good he's he's looking pretty helpful uh, or healthy i should say um i can't really hear him over the customers because it's about 15 feet away from me and they're between me and the television but when i can take a second away from looking at their angry faces and glance up at the television he looks really calm and uh, uh i like his coat that he's wearing he looks really warm uh, you know, he came out the one time and he's cold and I think he should just take care of himself. Um, but it's nice to see a smiling face every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, let's move on to the uh, provincially. I mean, we're all right now based in Ontario. Um, what about the provinces? What do you think about the provinces' response? Uh, Robert Benzie, Queen's Park is your beat, uh, the, the provincial legislature. How do you feel about the government of Ontario's response so far? I think one of the big surprises in this crisis has been, frankly, the performance of Premier Doug Ford, who mm-hmm. has been listening to the experts. He is not – there's no sloganeering or cartoonish behavior. He is being very serious about this, and the response has been serious. Uh, they are throwing money at the problem, uh, not as much as the federal government, but they don't have the fiscal capacity of Ottawa. No. And no. they are seeing that you know there are things they can do on the for health care and, and tax deferment, things like that. So I think they're doing what they can, but their response is going to have to escalate because what they're doing so far isn't going to be enough. And I think they acknowledge that. But I think that Mr. Ford has is getting some good reviews and he deserves them because he is being very serious about this. And there's no buck of beer, blue license plates, gas pump stickers. There's nothing like that. This is a serious response where he talks to scientists and talks to healthcare officials and he delivers uh, serious news to Ontarians every day. 
and he even thanked the press. I was shocked. Were you, you and your surprised? <laughs> the Toronto Star. I was, I was, I was impressed by that. But yeah, no, I yeah. think he understands though that the the mainstream mm-hmm. media that so many people love to pillory uh, or pillar. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it is very important. We have to have reliable information. You can't get your news from Facebook or uh, Twitter or Instagram. Now, and do you think, you know, because like you said, he's listening to the experts, he's doing everything they're saying. Do you think when, you know, whenever this is over, that he'll continue listening to experts or he'll go back to just listening to his inner circle and trusting his gut? I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I mean, he, I think this could change him. Yeah, I think that mm-hmm. it could change him. I mean, it's certainly changing a lot of us. That's that's an understatement. That's a very good point. Uh, uh, Robin Neufeld, what are your thoughts on the pro- uh, the provincial government? Yeah. Normally, when I see Doug Ford speaking on television, I'm throwing things at my television. Um, But at the moment, I just am really thankful because he kept the the weed dispensaries open. And that's all that's keeping me from shooting myself in the head right now. So I'm just really thankful. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, a friend of mine, I, th- I think um, Gary Pearson commented that uh, marijuana went from illegal to essential uh, very quickly. Um, and certainly you're not alone, Robin, in that uh, uh, getting by. Oh, it's been essential for um, a real long time, David. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're preaching the choir over here. Um, Andrew Coyne, what do you think about the, the province's response so far? Well, he had changed to some extent even before this. I think if you contrast the Doug Ford of the last six months versus the previous six months, um, I think people had kind of gotten hold of him and said, look, the way you're going in the first six months of your term, you're, you're, you're not going to get reelected. But this has certainly smartened him up as it's smartened a lot of people up. You know, crises have a way of doing that. The public in general has a much lower tolerance for any kind of uh, usual political shenanigans. Uh, people know this is serious. People are very frightened, uh, and they want to see that their leaders are, are similarly uh, uh, clued in about that. I think the real challenge, though, as I think Rob alluded to, is going to come in the weeks to come. They have a logistical challenge in terms of getting the healthcare system ready for the for the the peak of this, which is still weeks away. Yeah, uh, that is going to be mind blowing because it's not just Ontario that's scrambling; it's the whole world. So there's a worldwide contest, if we will, to try and get the resources necessary to get the ventilators, to get the masks, to get all the things they're going to need. And we hope that the combination of all of us staying indoors and trying to, you know, quote unquote, flatten the curve to keep the, the growth in the cases within the limits of the healthcare system's capacity, and at the same time trying to raise that system's capacity, we hope that the combination of the two will prevent some of the scenes we've seen elsewhere. And at this point, you know, none, none of us can say for sure what's going to happen. So if you're in Queen's Park, if you're in any of the provincial governments where their primary responsibility for health care, uh, you can bet they're working 24-7 on this. Captain Harper, what do you think about Premier Doug Ford's response and his actions so far? Well, you know, I really can't speak to Mr. Ford. Uh, I do know that for myself, I find <clears throat> I find I've had um, a number of interesting conversations. You know, I'm not sure if you know my parents actually were mm. were quite vocal. What uh, my father actually was was a urologist and worked at a hospital for some time. No, so I've always that, no. identified myself with not identified. That would be the incorrect term. So I, <laughs> I find I I I, I really do sympathize 
sympathize, empathize, and uh, champion the work of frontline workers. He was actually someone who helped to found the Social Hygiene Association. I'm not sure if you're aware of the Social Hygiene Association. I'm not, not aware now. We're not talking, aware. yes. Well, do give it a look. We were a young family. That was something that was so important important and you know this we're talking 10 years before the spanish influenza oh, okay and yeah. so this is this is something where we need to be safe in our practices of all of all kinds and all natures you know so i find myself reminded of what my father might say mm-hmm. uh, in terms of washing your hands regularly. And I mean, as much as I would like to wash my hands of the Fords altogether, I, I do have to agree with my uh, my my colleagues here. Is it all right to say colleagues? Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and, uh, and say that at this moment, I find myself not so utterly repulsed as in the past. I think this is a time when pretty much... M- all, you know, most, if not all Canadians are just thankful for being in Canada, especially when we see what's happening uh, down south. And there was a remarkable uh, piece. Uh, um, J.J. McGrath, who writes for uh, TVO, was, I think, made a very telling com- comparison that you look at the way in which the um, rescue package went through the Ontario legislature with uh, all mm-hmm. party agreement and, you know, cross-partisan comity. And then you look at the near fiasco that happened in the federal parliament where they tried to attach this business of saying uh, the government should be able to to tax, spend, and borrow as much as it likes without coming back to parliament for two years. Right. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that was a, a pretty remarkable overreach and power grab, and they were eventually forced to relent, but it was a pretty huge miscalculation on the government's part. I read some people uh, commenting about that on Twitter that normally – uh, the conservatives would have probably gone back to the to the uh, sorry to the liberals and say, hey, we have an issue with this, rather than just making it public. That there should have been some more going back and forth behind the scenes, because they were going to do a unanimous vote, right? Like the whole the, all all everyone in the government needs to get behind. Hey, it. sorry, um, sure, but you, I, I, I was just uh, taking some uh, restorative vitamin C drinks, but did I hear somebody say two years? This is going to go on for two years. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh no! Someone help help the young woman uh, breathe, uh, breathe, please. Oh dear. Sorry. Well, we're not. Gonna, let's not speculate on how long this is, because this, this, at its essence, is supposed to be a comedy. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, this is out of control. Sorry, no, Robin. It's okay. Uh-huh. Could be a trigger yeah. warning. Is there anything going on, like? Uh, Anywhere else in the country? Like, are any of the provinces doing anything different? I've seen some of the maritime provinces are, are they're kind of closing their borders uh, interprovincially. Is that happening? Do you think that's going to happen across the board? Anybody want to pipe in on that? I, I, I think our vast spaces in this country are, are, are going to be one of our friends in this regard, is it makes it less mm-hmm. likely. I mean, the maritimes are much more compact, but to cross, uh, you know, the Ontario border from, from with Manitoba from Toronto, you have to drive for three days. Uh, so I, I think we're less likely to see that. I was quite struck by BC deciding to basically uh, give themselves the power to take control of the supply chains, including for things like groceries. Um, I wasn't aware there was any problem with the, with the yeah. supply chain of groceries. There have been temporary shortages, but um, that's only, you know, people can only eat so much and the food, can, food supply chain can always supply that. So I don't anticipate us having much problem there, but I was struck by that, uh, them giving themselves that power. Um, I just want to say, you'd think that people can only eat so much, but people buy a lot of groceries. Um, and I know 
Jesus, I mean, uh, but those truckers, they keep coming. <laughs> and then it happens. You know, one pulled up and he opened his door and said he had some pallets of toilet paper. And it was like watching rats on a garbage heap behind a, re a restaurant. <laughs> they were temporarily here and then they were short again. But I know there's another one scheduled for tomorrow or three weeks from now, uh, whichever, whichever that actually is. They kind of feel like the same thing. Are you okay, Rob? <laughs> okay. Sorry. No, that's okay. I mean, you're doing the heavy. You're the one doing the heavy lifting, so we're it's here for you. It's more repetitive know? than really heavy because I'm at the catch. Okay, sorry. Go on. All right. It's okay. All right. Well, let's move on to our next topic: misinformation. There is a ton of misinformation about COVID nineteen out there. So, panel, I'm curious: which rumor, story, or advice have you read, watched, or had forwarded or told to you? that bugs you the most or that you feel is the most stupid or dangerous? Uh, Robin Neustadt, why don't we start with you? Well, um, I got about 50 messages in my Facebook inbox the other night telling me uh, there's some woman on an island and she was telling me um, to drink hot tea and then uh, uh, somebody else is telling me I should put onions in the corners of my room. Um, so I did that. That didn't, uh, my boyfriend didn't love that. I mean, he is between, there's about three layers of plastic between the room I'm sleeping in and the room he's sleeping in, but he said he could still smell it. So um, I guess the onions. <laughs> You're talking, of course, there, there's been a, a, a an audio, voice audio message going. Uh, I got it three times on Facebook uh, uh, Messenger, and I've pleaded with people not to send it anymore because I, I, have, I, I, I have both OCD um, obsessive compulsive disorder, which is pretty much in check, but I also have a compromised immune system. So I listened to a little bit of it and it did trigger me because these are the times when you're going to get triggered. Um, I'll play a little bit of it. I'm not going to play too much of it. Um, just so everyone knows what we're talking about out there. Hold on. Hi guys. Um, just wanted to pass on this information. It was sent to me by a colleague who uh, has a friend that works at Dr. Negrin, which is uh, the main hospital on our island. Um, it's obviously in Spanish, so I'm just going to read it and translate it for you. I'm going to stop it there because, I, I, it, like you were saying, Robin, I found a lot of the information just weird. Um, and I don't want to trigger anybody out there. And I'm, I'm dying to know what island uh, uh, she's on, um, which maybe we'll, we'll speculate about in a moment. Um, Robert Benzi, uh, what's, uh, what have you read or been told or, or seen that's like, hey, this is, you know, stupid. Why are we talking about this? Well, my mother tells me that she sees things on Facebook, like put a if you blow a hair, hot hair dryer on you, you won't if, if, if after you come home. And I mean, right. I, also, there's all sorts of foolishness like that swirling around. And I I think that again this is a time when you should be relying on credible information whether it's for mm -hmm. the centers for disease control or for them from mainstream media outlets like the globe and the star and cbc and ctv and bbc and so on i i just think this is not really a great time to be um hearing sort of home remedies on on facebook uh i i mean the, at the end of the day the only thing we really can do is uh, stay home and wash your hands frequently. Uh, and if you do go out, wash your hands and probably change your clothes when you get in the, in the door. Mm. Uh, Catherine Hepburn, what have you, what rumor or story have you heard, read, or something been told to you that you found annoying or stupid? Well, I've been hearing for a long time now that I'm actually dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I saw that on, uh, on the National Enquirer. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm not really sure who to trust at this point anymore, and I make it a point not to read the newspapers at all. I'll trust a few select friends. Mm-hmm. And as some others have said, if I have my own doctor, I'll talk to him, and I don't see a reason to go beyond that. And so is that where you get your news from? Is that how you stay informed, just from friends? I find news is just olds from the day earlier. You know what I'm saying? I don't need to know the news. I am the news. (laughs) That's fair. Uh, Andrew Coyne, what have you read, heard, had it passed on to you that you found, well, this is ridiculous? If you're really looking for misinformation, you just have to tune into the nightly press briefings by Donald Trump. Uh, he, he, yeah. he says, you know, a, a half a dozen or more um, uh, fraudulent false things every time, much of which you might, of course, pass off as being the usual uh, terrible, pathetic performance that we expect from him in the middle of this uh, nightmare. But in particular, he's been putting about that the, a couple of drugs that are that are, there's anecdotal evidence may be uh, uh, some help in terms of the treatment. It's putting them out as if they're proven cures. And apparently, you put the two drugs together and they can be quite harmful in their effects. Uh, so this is just wild that the president of the United States is is basically acting as, a, as an internet troll uh, in putting this stuff about. Where it gets really terrible, of course, is some of these uh, home remedies that people have been discussing. I saw a story saying mm-hmm. in, in Iran, I, don't, I can't verify if this is true or not, but in Iran, um, several hundred people have died from because they'd been reading stuff on the internet about drinking certain types of poisons as being a cure for it. Uh, oh, my maybe, God. That's horrible. I'm putting out misinformation myself if that story is not true. But um, but that certainly is, 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 a, is a terrible danger at this time. The other thing we should mention is that the security agencies are quite concerned that um, uh, our adversaries, uh, naming no Russias, uh, mm-hmm. may be willing and able to use this crisis to sow misinformation, as they we know they've done in the past, uh, to try to encourage people not to believe the authorities when they tell them X or Y to, to try to deal with the crisis and to to essentially sow discord and mistrust at a time when we need more than ever uh, to be able to, to trust in each other and trust our leaders. Uh, so that would be also worrying. That goes beyond mere um, uh, Internet stupidity. I mean, that was my next question that I had written down. Who who do you think gains from the spreading of misinformation or from causing confusion amongst the public? I mean, obviously, the Russians have quite a reputation for disinformation and, and wanting to cause chaos. And this is an election year in the States. So the ramifications there could be, you know. I mean, the Russians are going to the Russians are going to run into their own problems. I mean, the, the nature of this thing is it's afflicting mm-hmm. every country. And in every country, it's going to be an issue is, can people believe the authorities? Will they trust them? Will they follow them? When we're trying to, to get this kind of mass mobilization to you know, change behavior of millions of people. And this is going to be a real problem for Russia because it's starting to take off there now. The numbers are escalating very rapidly in Russia. And, well, they weren't. Re- I think at first they weren't reporting any cases. And that, that, isn't that the case? That's right. And, and, and so in that atmosphere... I think this is part of the problem our American friends are facing is uh, there's so little trust of the authorities there. Uh, in that atmosphere, you can get some some really bad stuff happening. I can tell you that also here in Canada, people are confused. I've had to really tell some people what bleach is for and, uh, <laughs> you know, that it's for wiping, right. not for drinking. Uh, we have a few signs up. Um, but there's a lot of some DIY home things happening. Um, I've kind of lost track. Sorry. Ugh. No, that's okay. 
Robert, you want to pipe in on uh, who you think benefits from the misinformation or anything? Well, I mean, I I, I think that the the president, the current president, is being such a reckless actor in this whole drama. It's it's quite something. You saw the case in Arizona where people took malaria medication and one That's man right. died and his wife's in critical condition because Trump talked about yeah. it at a briefing. I mean, I, I don't blame I don't mind politicians giving daily briefings, but his are not informative. Like the Prime Minister of Canada is giving informative briefings. The Premier of Ontario yeah. is giving informative briefings. Boris Johnson in the United Kingdom is giving relatively informative briefings, although he now has coronavirus himself after telling people that it was safe to shake hands. So I'm not sure he's uh, yeah. someone I want to hold up to any great standard right now. But Trump is on a different plane than all of these other leaders. He is, Andrew's right, It's a, he's a, an internet troll with a huge platform. And I know some of the American networks have stopped broadcasting his press conferences. I think that they all should. If, yeah. if Fox News wants to continue to do that, they have become the state broadcaster, a, a kind of Pravda for, for a certain segment of the United States. That's just not something that we want to see, though. I mean, be, because Trump is not uh, informed on this and he is not particularly competent clearly. So this is a very dangerous situation. No, I did read that. Yeah. The NPR stopped broadcasting his, uh, his, uh, briefings and some of the networks cut away when he's talking. What, what um, CNN has been yeah. doing is fact checking him in real time. So they put up, a they put up a text, you know, what they call a Chiron while he's talking right. that says, in fact, you know, they put the actual, yeah. the actual truth. So anyone want to speculate where that, the Island that that woman on the uh, recording <laughs> I played from is from anybody? Anyone have an idea? Alan, Dr. Moreau? I don't know. I mean, she says Spanish. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> so it's somewhere, it's somewhere, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember my own name right now. Can somebody else talk about geography? <laughs> it's Robin. Thank you. Robin, oh, God, Robin thank Michelle you. It's your name. <laughs> it's okay. I have it written down. It's the only reason I remember. But very strange to have a message in Spanish when she was obviously sounding what, as though she was from somewhere else entirely, and and, and a name that didn't seem Spanish to me for the name of her hospital and or island. It, so it sounded like a really, completely put on accent to me. It was. It, I well, thought she was South African. Yeah, it does sound. Honestly, you're right. She does sound. Yeah, she could have been from New Zealand it. at this point. I'm not sure. I'm surprised. I think we were talking a bit before about it. And I'm surprised there, there's apparently a, a number of these recordings going around in all kinds of different languages. So, you know, it's 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 odd as to why that's it happening. It seems coordinated. Case, you know, oh. like I mean, I have no, a lot of sure. tabloids in front of me most of the day, and so well, I've got a little bit of tinfoil hat going. But uh, it does seem like something that somebody would be putting together. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, I do have actually a. A degree in uh, iconography and communications. Um, so you'd think mm. that I would know more about this. For you. But like I said, I can't really put two words together right now. Um, sorry, uh, sorry, I have to go change the salt water that I'm soaking my fingertips in. I'll be right back. Okay. Not, not a problem. Not a problem. This would be a good time to move on to our next topic. Is it time to shut down the stock markets? With trillions of dollars wiped off the boards in a matter of days, why are the markets still open? Will keeping the markets open help fight the pandemic in any way? Um, Robert Benzi, why don't we start with you? I don't think you want, ever want to shut down the stock markets if you can avoid that. I mean, no? then, you, then you get a run on the banks and oh. who knows what happens. I think it's good that we have these fail-safes that we didn't have even uh, a, a 10 years ago or, tw- mm-hmm. or 15 years ago where the uh, they, they, they stop trading if it drops uh, too quickly. Right. But I, I don't think you want a situation 
where you, we aren't trading. Um, they the markets will come back. They always do. They came back uh, after 2008, 2009, and they'll come back yeah. after this. Um, and who knows? They they might boom. We might have a post-war boom like we did in 1945 and onward, in, in especially in the United States. Uh, I just I'm very very leery of of shutting down stock markets at, at any time. You know, Ed the Sock was speculating online today that there will be a boom. That people are going to want to do something nice for themselves once you know this is all. You know, once we're on the other side of this, people are going to want to go out. Man, and do I really things. got into the wrong. I'm sorry. Did you oh, just sorry. sorry. No, no. I was just going to ask if you were referencing a sock. I was Ed the Sock. He's famous in Canada. <laughs> I. Yeah. Uh, he's famous in Canada. Well, that explains it. <laughs> but Catherine, what do you think about the stock market? Should it be closed? What What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, I remember the last time there was a run on the banks. Uh, it's not as uh, as delightful as portrayed in. Uh, in everyone's favorite Christmas film, it actually was somewhat scary. I believe it started in the South and worked its way up. And I, I would agree. I would agree that the best thing to do is to always maintain that as for as long as you can. Uh, whether or not this this proceeds to be worse than what we saw in 1930, I, I suppose we'll have to wait and see. Andrew Klein, what do you think? I mean, if we close the stock markets, do you think President Trump would actually shift to trying to do something about the virus, or would he just focus solely on getting the market back open? Well, I don't know. I can't really predict what he would do in any situation, but I don't no, even it's know. Fair, how, fair point. I don't even know how you would, because even if you shut the official stock markets down, stocks would be traded mm -hmm. online instantaneously. There, there's a, a million ways in which you could do it, and it amounts mm -hmm. to shooting the messenger. Um, if, right. if if the value of stocks is suddenly a lot less than it was, um, then there's no sense pretending otherwise. And people need to be able to reflect that in the prices. And the stock market and, and capital in general is the sort of engine oil of this economy. If you don't allow it to be distributed to where it's needed and moved away from where it's not needed, which is the function of these markets, then you're going to you're going to have even worse problems with the economy than we already have. So much of what we're trying to do right now is just to kind of keep the lights on. Keep things mm -hmm. keep things from just imploding utterly while we get through this very tough period where the government has basically ordered the economy shut down. Uh, but as long as we can kind of minimize the damage during that process, then yeah, at the at the other end of that, once the once the all clear sign goes out, when that is, I don't know. Um, then you you preserved your productive capacity, you preserved the, the the functioning of capital markets, et cetera, and things can start up pretty quickly after that. And, and for that reason, I think you'll see uh, uh, um, uh, quite a, a rebound at some point. But the question is, you know, is there going to be an all clear sign that, that sort of marks the end of this or is it going to be dragged out by stages as we gradually return to normal? And we, none of us knows at this point. No. Uh, Robin Newfield, do you have any thoughts about closing the stock market, keeping it um, open? Well, if my market has to be open, they have to be open. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I say. All right. Enough said. I think that's a mic drop moment. Is what we had there. <laughs> well a drop on the cleanup. Well cleanup. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. All right. Let's move on to our next topic: self-isolating. How's your self-isolation going? What are you doing to pass the time and avoid cabin fever? What is are your guilty pleasure pleasures to help you take your mind off things? Uh, Robin, I know you're you know you're working full time on the front there, and you know you're soaking soaking your fingers right now. W what are you doing you know to help 
to help relax when you're not at work. I mean, you've been using a lot of the 420 set, but what else are you doing to try and relax? Is there anything you're watching or, or anybody you're following uh, online? I think the thing I like watching the most is the darkness when I close my eyes. Um, there's a blackness <laughs> yeah. that comes down, and I'm really enjoying that. Right. Um, Robert Benzie, how, how are you keeping it? I, I mean, yeah. I... I, I I am working from home as a, the whole Toronto Star newsroom is working from everyone's homes. So mm -hmm. we are all kind of putting up the paper from home, which is very strange. And the problem is you have no work-life balance because it's all work and right. no life. Um, but, you know, I'm coping. And, it, and, of course, it could be worse. I could be like Robin, who is having to serve all these people their toilet paper and, uh, and uh, hand sanitizer and, and as they fight in lineups. But I, I, my guilty pleasure is uh, Turner Classic Movies. So I watch mm. old movies. Like I watched Conflict the other night uh, with Humphrey Bogart from 1945, uh, one of my favorites that I've seen a few times. I, I haven't watched any Catherine Hepburn movies, I, I don't think, in the last couple of days. But I, 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 I'm sure I will. And I think those – I find – those are such great pictures and they there's so much escapism and i don't think about the news or the pandemic i, I don't want to mm -hmm. watch contagion for example no i'm uh, shocked i can't believe every day i go on netflix and contagion's in the top five and i'm like who's watching this it wasn't that good when everything was fine i don't get it like i've watched contagion about 14 times really Catherine hepburn i'm surprised you had to watch that film so why many times. you've got a fascinating structure narrative that builds in an interesting way performers that I consider to be some of the best of their generation and uh, something that reflects life you know mm. it's the kind of picture I always look for do I believe it has a narrative that I would have been drawn to myself no <laughs> do I think <laughs> Do I think it's worth watching on occasion? Yes. I've watched almost every picture several times. I will try not to take offense to the fact that my own pictures have been completely disregarded by another man here. Well, Catherine, if you were just fine, if you were if I was to recommend one of your films to anybody, I would say Bringing Up Baby is probably my favorite. Uh, okay. You were, and if you were to recommend one, what would you say? This would be a good good one for you to watch. You know, oh, I can't pick one. It's like picking one of, of your my children. Own Is that what pictures? No, yeah. I never had children intentionally. <laughs> so, but I, uh, I suppose, uh, well, uh, it would depend entirely on your mood and mm -hmm. your, uh, you know, your level of intelligence. I've always been partial to some of my later films, The Lion in Winter or The African Queen, but. Uh, I obviously my time with Spencer was something that people seemed to enjoy watching. We did what was it, eight or nine films together. Mm -hmm. So take your pick. <laughs> but I suppose you always men will always go for bogey first. That was always the problem. <laughs> Lovely to work with the men though. Good to know. Now Lauren African Queen, there you go. There, there's one. African queen. Yes, I did say that earlier. Yes, very good. He's very, he's very good, David. <laughs> we only get the best here. Uh, Edrew Coy, what about you? What are you doing to you know? Well, we spent to, the to, first to, few days just getting ready. Uh, you know, making sure we had enough, right. enough food, making sure we had enough cleaning supplies, yeah. etc. So we're kind of heavily fortified uh, here against uh, <laughs> the ravenous mobs or the whatever that the, you know the collapse of civilization ensues. Um, obviously, work takes up a fair bit of time, uh, reading, watching TV, but 
uh, long walks with the dog are, are certainly, uh, mm. and apparently everyone's taken up jogging. Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen several references to this, that there's just unheard of numbers of people out running now. I don't know if you've been following those uh, videos of the enraged Italian mayors. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, shouting at people. To, are... And one of them was oh, saying, God. you know, what, what's with this jog? You haven't jogged since grade school. And suddenly you're taking up jogging. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's important at times like this to get outside, I find, though. And some people, the only way you can is to simply run from your own home. Sometimes I want to run. That's a good point. And just keep on running. <laughs> yes, I, I am getting that mm -hmm. sense, dear. Yes. I'd highly recommend for anyone out there to check out uh, comedian Pat Thornton's Twitter feed. Uh, Pat Thornton is well known in Toronto. Um, him and his uh, wife, they have this thing going called Larry Looks. Larry's their their baby. And every day they dress him up in a new outfit that um, they make from crafts. So far they've had Ruth, Ruth Gator Binsberg was my favorite, I think. Today he was Slash. Yesterday they dressed him up as uh, C-3PO. He's been Ginger <laughs> Spice, Abe Lincoln, and many more. I, I can't recommend enough. I think when this is all over that the city of Toronto needs to give some kind of award to Pat Thornton because his feeds are just hilarious. <laughs> I'd also recommend... If you're my age, if you're in your 50s or late 40s or early 60s, I've been watching a lot of old Letterman clips, particularly Chris Elliott. Um, for those of you that are, are, are Shit's Creeks fans, Chris Elliott had a very long career on Late Show with David Letterman. One day, the clip of him pretending to be Paul Schaefer showed up, and it's just so funny. Um, if you don't watch the show, you won't get it. Um, but that's what I've been doing, and also trying to get this together. I'm so happy to be here with you, David. <laughs> I'm glad to be There's only five people. We're all talking, like we're taking turns talking. Nobody's shouting at anybody. Nobody's swearing. No. Nobody's asking me questions that I don't know the answers to. And I'm finding this really loving, supportive circle. And I'm so glad that you're all here for me. Well, <laughs> can, can I just say, you know, there's yeah. been a lot of comparisons between this and wartime. Uh, yeah. The grocery workers and the, the people who have to go to work who can't work from home and who are going yeah. in every day and, and taking some risks and so doing, these people are the spitfire pilots of this particular fight. These are the people who, oh, are, no, who, are, sure. who are keeping the lights on. And we all, and, and of course, obviously the healthcare workers in particular, but everybody who, who, who can't work from home or who has to work, uh, we should all get down on our knees and, and be, be grateful for. I completely agree. Robin, what you're doing is so incredibly brave, and I want to applaud you and all of your compatriots. Oh, that's really nice of you. But um, every time, it, it, please don't say the word applauding, because when I see hands hitting each other, my, my fingertips hurt. So <laughs> just keep the word applause away from me. Thanks. Thank you, though. I really appreciate it. You know what? Now it's time to play Real or Fake. It's a little game we play at the end of every show each month. While researching the show, I come across a story that makes me think, this is the craziest fucking thing I've ever heard. And then I find a few more stories that are just crazy. So we're going to use some of these stories to play real or fake. I'm going to read a headline, and then I'll ask each panelist if they think it's a real story or a fake one. Feel free to play along at home. Any questions from the panel before we start? No? Okay. Here we go. The state of Missouri sues televangelist Jim Baker for selling fake coronavirus cures. Real or fake? Catherine Hepburn, why don't we start with you? Well, one can only hope it's real. Uh, I've been waiting for some of these people who are selling fake goods to be brought to trial for years. So uh, I will hope and say true. Robert Benzie, what do you think? Real or fake? 
depressingly, I think it's 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 real because I have heard similar stories about fake cures and 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 governments having to sue them. And I hope that the governments will will sue them. Either that that the uh, Infowars guy, I know he's getting sued. So I wouldn't be surprised if uh, 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 someone like Baker is getting sued. Uh, Robin, what do you think? Well, Real I know something. Some, somebody said something to him about selling stuff, but I have trouble b- believing that Mississippi would ever sue a televangelist because they just seem to be all kind of cozy <laughs> up in there. So I'm going to say it's half fake. Yeah. Half fake. Okay. That's, that's never happened before. That's a first here on the show. Uh, Andrew Coyne, what are your uh, thoughts? It sounds too think? good to be true to me. Jim Baker's been selling frauds his whole life, but uh, this just sounds a little too pat. I'm going to say fake. It is actually 100% real. Oh, this is yeah. totally real. And it, yeah, this is, uh, I, I took it from an article from March 11th of this year from uh, from NPR. You can check it out. It's actually, there's quite a lot of information about it on the on the internet. All right, let's go to our, our next uh, headline. Woman who married herself cheated on herself. Real or fake? Um, Robin, why don't we start with that you? That just sounds fake and silly. <laughs> it does. Okay. Uh, is your coin real or fake? I, do I don't even know what that means. How, I, how would you, <laughs> how would you cheat on yourself? I, I'm, I'm, but I, I'm always wrong. And I'm going to say real. <laughs> if I had said Florida woman, you would give this a lot more thought, <laughs> I think. Um, okay. So you say real, uh, Catherine Hepburn, real or fake? What do you think? You know, it's moments like this. I remember why I don't give interviews. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say real. Real. Robert Benzi, real or fake? I'm going to be like Onan the Barbarian on this one and say it's fake. <laughs> okay. It is 100% real. Really? Ah. Yes. This is ah. an old... It, Yes, it's an older art. It's an older story from October twenty fifth, twenty seventeen, taken from the Independent. This woman, I read a bit about it. This woman apparently did marry herself. I don't know how legal that is, and uh, and then she met a polygamist and was with him <laughs> for course. quite a while. And then and then he left her, and I believe he married himself now as well. So I don't, I don't know. But you can look it up. It's uh, it's hours of good fun to read about that. Okay, let's go to our next headline. Indiana man shot while singing on his balcony, trying to get his neighbors to join in. Real <laughs> or fake? Andrew Coyd, let's start with you. Uh, I'm going to go with real. Real. Okay. Uh, Catherine Hepburn, real or fake? Oh, for pity's sake. Uh, I need this to be done. So fake <laughs> it is. Yes. Robert Benzie. Yeah, I think it's fake. I mean, I, I, although I, I do like these pictures from Italy and, and people singing on their balconies, and I, th- I think it's mm-hmm. it's inspiring on some level. But if if someone's a bad singer, man, I'd probably want to pop them too. So you say it's fake, or you say yeah, it's I'm real? Yeah, I say it's fake. You say it's fake. Uh, Robin New- Robin Newfeld. Uh, I'm going to say real based purely on the level of rage that I myself felt the other night when <laughs> the people across the courtyard from me were singing out their balcony. And they kept me from sleeping, and I only had four hours. And they just—they just kept on singing Rihanna songs, and I love Rihanna, but I hated them so much. Well, that's fair. Um, okay, <laughs> this story, it's okay. Uh, Are you okay? Yeah, no, this is a real, uh, this is a real stress releaser. This whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. Well, I'm glad we could help. All right, that story is 100% fake. Oh, I'm kind of disappointed, to yeah. be honest. 
I'm so well, you know, it, it still it could happen, unfortunately, with uh, all the guns in America. And I have to say, Andrew, when I was writing this earlier, it was Florida man, but I thought you would see right away. <laughs> see through it, so I changed it. Um, okay, and let's go to the next one. Trump doctor hid cauliflower in mashed potatoes to improve diet. Real or fake? Robin, let's start with I you. I know that that was a real story. I just wish it had a real effect because he's not any healthier than he ever was. <laughs> Andrew Coyne, real or fake? Uh, I'm going to go with real, and it fits with that. Um, there's a Dan Dresner, the professor who has that book out now about uh, – the toddler in chief where he collects all these stories about where mm -hmm. people treat him like he's five years old and that would fit into it. Um, Catherine Hepburn, real or fake? You know, I once found myself sitting <laughs> at a table with, uh, with Spencer Tracy and your, your man here's favorite Humphrey Bogart and his then wife, Lauren Bacall. And we sat down to eat, and, you know, Bogey began telling us this story about something where he, you know, he had been working. Well, this is prior to, this is just after I had actually given up a picture, you, mm -hmm. you know, the, the iguana to, to Betty Davis. And, and and I was going on about, you know, my lack of interest in the part and how I believe that Betty might actually be better for the, of course, Eventually, did I regret the decision? Surely I did. But I, Spencer and I had talked through it, and he had given up similar parts. And, you know, this was later on in our careers where we could afford to make choices like this. And she was actually fabulous in the picture. And so we were, so we were sitting there. And, uh, you know, Spencer, Spencer turns to me and says, and no one really could get to get after Spencer quite the way the bogey could. So, you, you know, and Lauren and I were... But we do you were, think we were, it's real or fake? I'm sorry? <laughs> do you think the headline is real or fake? Oh, fake. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Robert Benzie, I think we haven't come to you yet, have we? I'm, I'm having a Brian Linehan flashback there with Catherine. Wow, <laughs> awesome. Uh what was this news story again? I've lost, I lost my train of thought, David. No, of course. Uh, uh, Trump was, doctor. Oh, Trump doctor. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it. I, I mean, it. Uh, I, I'm. I, it feels like it's real uh, because his the, the White House chef would have to be like Jessica Seinfeld. You know, you'd have be putting nutritious food into other things to convince the toddler in chief, as Andrew said, to to uh, right. eat it. So I'm going to say right. it, it's. Yeah, I guess. It and is I just real. want to tell everybody right. out and there: that, there's still lots of potatoes and cauliflower. You don't have to. Good advice for everybody. That story is 100% real, totally real, taken from The Hill, uh, February 25th, just last month uh, of this year. Guess what, everybody? That is the end of the podcast. I'd like to thank all of our panelists, Andrew Coyne, Robert Benzie, Aurora Brown as the not real Robin Newfeld, and Liz Johnson as the completely faked Catherine Hepburn. Music for the Panel Show podcast is provided by Jim Clayton. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Panel Show podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. You can get more info about the show at our website, thepanelshow.com. Also follow us on Facebook. We are the Panel Show podcast on Facebook or on Twitter at Panel Show Pod. My name is David Shore. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe and wash your hands. Thanks, everybody.